there is only one true way to be enlightened and entertained with the best sports knowledge. That way is the American way. Welcome to the American Way podcast. Here's your host, Amir. Assalamu alaikum, welcome and happy Monday, loyal listeners. We got a good one today, folks. I was uh, in the, I was awoken from a, from my sl- slumber around eleven o'clock last night to learn the Timberwolves fired their coach Ryan Saunders. Not only that, but I've already hired a new coach. So pretty wild times. Anyway, to help me to help me talk through this uh, the, this shocking news and so so much more, my dear friend David Goldman. David David is a big um, Timberwolves fan. He's been a season ticket holder. For the last fifteen years of his family, he. Other than that, he's a big Chicago sports fan. But I love him anyway. He's a great uh, sports mind, and I value him. So, he, without without further ado, let me welcome David Goldman. chatting and i know we've been we've been trying to get this set up for a while so i appreciate you coming on so short notice yeah of course of course thanks for having me on i'm excited to be here uh got a pretty crazy guest list uh so far on to be a part of that definitely i'm having people i know people i trust people who are uh, have great expertise in sports and i count you as one of those people so welcome welcome aboard my man Thanks, thanks. So I know we were originally going to talk about some other things. We we're going to talk about your bears and what they're going to do, and talk about talk about some other topics. But what a what a bombshell! And full disclosure, I was in bed when this happened. My because I'm a, I'm a diabetic, I have this app that uh, this app that alerts me when my blood sugar is low or high. So I woke up mm-hmm. in the middle of the night to get. Uh, and I look at my phone and see 32, 32 messages. So I'll, you, we can start whatever direction you want, but it's just I'm surprised that this move to fire Ryan happened now. Just you, you, we can take it whatever direction you want. Yeah, let's start there. I mean, yeah, I was absolutely shocked as well. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a Chicago fan, except for the Timberwolves or my one Minnesota sports team. Um, and yeah, it was. I was absolutely shocked. I I did not think that this would happen. I I mean, I completely caught me off guard. I I didn't think it would happen until after the season, if it happened at all. Um, and then, let alone for them to hire another coach like two hours later, or not even like twenty minutes later, it was was just mind mind boggling to me. Yeah, same here. It's like it was shocking because. The sources that I trust uh, who cover the team uh, religiously, they had told me that they did not expect to change mid-season, that they thought that Ryan would stick around the whole year. And then, like you said, just even shocking, more shocking that they have a coach already in place. And I guess it sounds like the Rosas and uh, the new coach, Chris Finch, they spoke with pregame on Friday. sounds like because the Raptors uh, – the Raptors were in town on Friday night. So it mm-hmm. sounds like they had a discussion then, which led to all this. But, yeah, it's really shocking. Yeah. I'm surprised Glenn Taylor gave him the okay to, to do that. I don't know. It's just – it's all – it's it's really still shocking this morning. When I woke up, it was like, wow, I can't believe they did. I, I mean, can you remember a team that's ever fired a coach midseason and hired a new coach? Usually they go – interim and then hire somebody at the end of the season i i can't remember a time when a team has hired a a coach does, mid-season does last year in cleveland count because i know they fired uh john 
No, but I don't know if they fired D-line or if technically the term is resigned. But I know what happened is the John D-line yeah, left and, and then the J.D. Bickerstaff came in and they gave him a multi-year contract. But I don't know if that counts in this scenario. Was, was he on their staff? I guess I don't know enough about Yeah, he was... Yeah, he was on their staff. He was the lead assistant on uh, D-line staff, and then uh, he then uh, he, I think I think he was initially made interim. Then like a couple of days later, they're like, "Yeah, we'll give you multi-year contract." Mm-hmm. I just think this one's unique because it's from a different staff on a different team in the league, and they they kind of poached him in the middle of the season. Just seems kind of crazy to me that 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 would happen. I don't I don't remember a time when that actually happened. Yeah, I think I just saw a tweet just here, like a couple hours ago. I think the last official time that a team hired a coach from another staff midseason was the Memphis Grizzlies, 2009. I guess Lionel Hollins was on the hockey staff, and they poached okay. him midseason. So that, that's that's a, reportedly the last time a situation like this happened. But it's pretty wild. Yeah, I guess if if you're worried that he might become a hot candidate in the off season, it, it works out well to hire him now. Um, but I mean, it's it's Rosas's guy, and you know he kind of inherited Ryan when he came over here, and so I think you know Rosas is finally getting the coach that he wants to run his system and run his rotations and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's. it's it should. I mean, hopefully it works out for him. I mean, it's it's kind of been a little rocky start, but I I mean, you got to feel bad for for Ryan Saunders too. I mean, he got five games with Cat and uh, Dlo together. That's that's just terrible luck. He had some terrible luck, and and yeah, he he wasn't the best coach, but he was young, and you know, he really really had pretty much everything go against him. Um, so I think he'll have a, a bright future in the league. I just think he might have been um, – they might have promoted him a little early. Um, I think he might not have been ready, but um, we'll see. I hope he gets another opportunity because he really was a, a good ambassador for the brand and, and a, a good guy. Yeah, I do too. I hope he gets another opportunity in the future. I know he's well he's well regarded around the league. So I'm certain whenever he whenever he chooses, he'll find another job. Um, yeah, I think just he was. I think he was just he just walked into a really bad situation. I think him coming in was just just him him being hired full time at the time. It was just a bad situation to walk into. And yeah, just the fact that he only gets five games of his two best players, and then in addition to that, like when he was when he came when he took over as interim. He didn't have a single game with Robert Covington, if you remember. And then last mm-hmm. year, last year all those trades mid-season, and then you have this pan- the, pan- the pandemic hits. So, I think you're 100% right. Just from from day one, he was just he just walked into a really bad situation for any young, mm-hmm. not just not just any not just a young coach to come walk into, but any new coach to just walk into. I think it was just a bad situation. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. Not not. I don't think any coach in the league, even Greg Popovich or, or Steve Kerr, would have won with what happened to the Wolves over over Saunders' tenure. I mean, he, yeah, like you said, he got incredibly unlucky with with a myriad of different things. Um, so yeah, I hope he he, he gets another opportunity because he's I, he seemed really well liked in the locker room, and that's kind of another aspect. Is I hope I hope we had consulted with the at least Carl Anthony Towns before making this move, um, because I know he and he and Ryan Saunders were pretty close, and I'd hate to, you know, upset the the franchise players. So um, that's kind of something I was thinking about. Me too, and I guess now it all makes sense. And I guess post game last night, he made unprompted. He was talking about I, I chose I I value my legacy. I want to win in Minnesota and. He he went on he went a few minutes in the post game last night uh, after the loss talking about that. So, and a lot, I think at the time a lot of the reporters, a lot of the media members were wondering what he was referring to. So I guess, I suppose that he's he was re, I don't know if he's re, reaffirming his uh, loyalty to the Wolves or maybe they maybe they approached him beforehand. I guess it's hard for us to know. 
Yeah, I mean those are those are good comments, but you just hope that it's that it's after he found out um, that we were getting getting Finch because um, that would be pretty awkward if he said that and then right after we told him we fired your coach that you really loved. That would have been really awkward. It really would have. <laughs> yeah, and I I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a ticking time bomb. I think I don't know. I'm, I guess I I just always thought this was just the way that this franchise has been doing things. I know I know they brought in Russell and I just I just get the sense that at some point he it, we, I hope this doesn't happen, but I've gotten the sense it could eventually turn into an AD like situation with him. I don't I don't know why I get the, I got this vibe. I just did. Yeah, it's tough for you know small markets in the league, and I mean everybody has to deal with with it. Um, that's in a small market. I mean, the Bucks were so worried about losing Giannis last year. I mean, it just happens, but, you know, you just got to win, and that's the thing. That's why Rosas, I think, has been so, so, you know, adamant, and that's why this decision was made yesterday to try to get some continuity going in the next season um, with Finch and the roster, because I think if next season's a make-or-break year for the Wolves, I mean, it really is. I mean, unless Cat asks out after this offseason, uh, we don't win next season, I think, you know, the wheels kind of fall off from this core, aside from Edwards, but from the core of D'Lo and, and Towns. So you just hope they can stay together long enough where you can figure out if, if that works or if we just get rid of them for other reasons. Yeah, we definitely do hope so. I mean, from what I've heard, uh, Finch is a really good offensive coach. So that might be benefit the younger guys like, I know Edwards, like he he's had his moments, and I like what I've seen from him. The same with McDaniel, but I feel I feel like maybe this maybe uh bringing in a guy like Chris Finch, who apparently by all accounts uh it was the offensive coordinator for Toronto. He helps get guys like Siakam and Dan Fleet in great spots. So you just hope that he's able to unlock these guys uh, even more. Yeah, and you see the last couple games, I, I would. I, like as you said earlier, I think the hiring of Finch was planned to happen earlier. But the last couple of games, they've really struggled to score in some spots. I mean, especially that Raptors game. So, yeah, the, you hope that that he can kind of get the offense going a little bit and help Culver and 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 uh, Edwards getting getting the right spots and become more consistent scorers. Um, if you were talking about Edwards, and I, I really like Edwards as well, but there's, his shot selection leaves a little bit to be desired sometimes, and just his consistency. But that's par for the course for a rookie. I mean, I'm I'm not worried about either of those things. I think they'll get better. But you just hope that Finch, like you're saying, being an offensive mind, can kind of accelerate those things. Yeah, exactly. Because if you're in the wrong situation, or if like there's no, I feel like. And I don't like I said I I like Ryan as a person. I'm gonna criticize him more, but I felt like the big I don't I don't maybe it's a Rosas problem, but like I felt like there there was just no structure in the system of how the, the, they were running things in the games, offensively or defensively. It just seems like there was they were just maybe you can, I don't know if you can agree with me, but it just felt like they were running things each game helter skelter, and it seems like a guy like Edwards to help him further in his development. It would help if there was like better, better structure, better planning uh, surrounding the offense to get him going. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I think they did a better job of that kind of at the end, running a lot of pick and rolls with Cat with and Edwards. But, but I think you're right. The the offensive structure a lot of the times it was lacking a little bit, and um, I think it left some to be desired. And so somebody who can come in and give us structure and kind of a a set um, kind of more set plays, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm, just, I'm assuming Ryan had set plays, but um, just better, better structure. I think that'll benefit the young guys a lot. And I think it'll benefit cat a lot too. Oh yeah, it should. I think it should. I think I know like, for, for example, just like the one, one thing that was uh, worrisome is when Russell was on the court and on, now he's hurt, but it seemed like the Wolves, uh, like Ryan was more comfortable running the sets when Russell was off the courts. I don't know if that's a, if that's a sign about Russell or, 
But just, just little things like that. You look at that like, just it seems like at times they were never consistent. That they just they they had goals. Right. There's a lot of dribbling around when Russell was on the court, and and I feel like he also thought Russell thought that he kind of had to put the team on his back because Cat was out, and I think he put a little bit of too much pressure on himself. But um, I definitely did notice that too. It seemed like when Russell was on the court, it was a lot more. Russell dribbling around, Russell getting a pick for him. Then when he was out and Rubio was in, they were running a lot more, you know, kind of set plays. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm excited to see what what Finch can bring to the offense, um, especially. Oh, me too. I wonder if they're gonna keep the rest of the staff around. I know I saw some comments uh, from Doom and CJ. They were upset that uh, Finch couldn't get the job. And, but the de- the defense has struggled. I don't know if it's been great. It's I mean the early in the season it was just a wo- woeful those first five or six games that Cat missed. But I'm curious to see like if there's any other staff changes or what else happens now with Finch in uh, in place. Yeah, I'd be a little worried that Vanderpool is going to be a, a candidate for some coaching this off or for a head coaching spot this off season, but. Like you said, I mean, I don't think – I think our defense is probably bottom five in the league. Um, so, I don't know if that's going to affect it or if people are going to look at it. Because I think it's it's mostly a personnel issue. We just – the fact is we don't have a lot of defensive guys. And the ones we do, like Okogi, sometimes can't even be out there because they can't score the basketball. It's just kind of a fact. And same with Culver. Kind of our defensive guys are really limited offensively. So, I wonder if teams will look at Bantapool and, and see the stats and be scared away or if they'll recognize kind of the personnel issue on the Wolves uh, defensively. But he's certainly well-liked around the league, as you saw with what CJ and Dame said. So I would kind of worry a little bit about losing him this offseason to a team that needs a coach. But um, I wonder if – even if that's not the case, I wonder if Finch kind of wants to bring in his own guys too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I know, I know. Like in the the previous, the last, the most recent time that the Wolves made a mid-season coaching change, you know, but not uh, Tibbs and also his lead guy uh, uh, Greer, they were both let go. And then uh, Ryan, he sort of had to, he, if you recall, I think Ryan sort of had to scrounge up his own staff like on the fly, like he had to promote some guys. And so I wonder, I want, I just wonder how that process is going to turn out. Um, mm-hmm. Moving on, just look, looking at like, like you said with Okogi. I'm one, I know that Ryan was not very good, like with in-game decisions and just rotation management. But I'm, 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 I think I find this decision really damning on just how the, the how, how things have gone with uh, Rosas in charge his his the last 18 months. I mean, the roster is, is certainly needs work, and I I guess if you want to you want to blame the coach, that's fine. But then that's you. You're get you're relinqu- you're relinquishing your shield a bit, so now it's all on you. That's like now the microscope will be wider on you and your decisions. That so far mm. I would argue has not worked at all. I mean, maybe other than Edwards and maybe Nasri, but nothing. No, none of the other decisions Rosas has made have worked, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean. Get, getting rid of Ryan and bringing in his own guy is really like relinquishing the shield. I mean, it's all on him now. I mean, he's got the guy he wants to lead the team on the court, make on-court decisions. So now you got to give him the roster. I mean, it's, it's really kind of a, kind of a mess right now. Um, you've got, you want to run, they want to run that Houston Rockets offense, but they have three or four guys that play 20 plus minutes a game that, that shoot, you know, 30 sub, you know, 35% from three, if, if not worse. Um, I don't have the percentages on on those guys. But, um, yeah, it's, I mean, the roster leaves a little bit to be desired, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see more moves come this, uh, before the deadline here. Yeah, me either. I think the biggest issue with the roster is that there's too many one-way players. You don't have any – Maybe if you want to call Cat a two-way player, but anybody, everybody else on the roster either plays only offense or only defense. That you you have the guys like 
Culver and Akogi or and Rubio that they, they're mostly defensive guys, uh, and actually Vanderbilt also, who are just defensive guys. Then you have you guys like Beasley and Russell that they just play offense. So it's kind of it's troubling to build a sustainable roster when you don't have a lot of guys who can play both sides of the ball. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I've actually never really thought about it like that, but you're you're absolutely right. I mean, those guys you pointed out, um, I, I don't know if I'd consider Cat a two-way guy yet. He's definitely improving defensively. You can see it on the court. I mean, even last night, he, he kind of dominated there for a little bit. He had a couple of really nice blocks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it seems like everyone's either, you know, defensive first and then they can't shoot beyond three feet and then – or they're making, you know, threes, but they can't, uh, they can't defend a snail. You know, it's it's interesting, and I wonder kind of what 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 Rosas has up his sleeve to kind of fix those changes. I mean, the one guy I would say that I can see being really good on both both ends is McDaniel's. I mean, I could see Edwards becoming really good on both ends too, but McDaniel's already is pretty good on both ends. Um, but he's also a rookie and a late first-round pick, so um, we shouldn't be expecting him to step into a larger role right now. Um, he already has a pretty big role, I guess, but we shouldn't, you know, make him one of the go go-to guys yet. I don't think. Yeah, I really like his length. I think he's one of the bright spots of this season. That we didn't, we probably expected early in the season he would be sent down to Iowa or that he wasn't, he wasn't ready for a role in the NBA. But he's been really surprising that he, he – I like his length, both offensively and defensively. He, there's a couple games where he just, out of nowhere, just had some really nice blocks. And you, just, you can just tell that in the future, if he, with some more um, muscle developments, that he's going to be really good. But, yeah, it's interesting. It's, yeah, it's just really interesting how much – uh, muddled this roster seems. I I agree with you. I think I wonder if there's what moves could be made. I wonder if I wonder if a guy like Rubio could be moved at the deadline or a guy like Wancho. I mean, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, you would you would think they'd try to um, trade Wancho just because he's making a decent chunk of change. I mean relative to how much he's been playing, which is not at all. Um, so, although he did play a little last night, I guess. But, um, yeah, you'd assume they'd try to deal him. I don't know what his value would be like or if we'd have to get rid of a pick maybe to get rid of him. But, yeah, I think Rubio could be a target too, although we'd have to get another ball handler back just because – Russell's timeline is still a little bit away from, from coming back. But I, I do think, you know, McLaughlin could hold it down, but we need one more point guard um, just for the time being. But I think Rubio could be a target. Um, as much as I hate to say it, I think Culver could be a target too. Um, and this is, I have zero inside information. I'm just speculating here. Um, but I don't know. I just think it could be. It's it'll it would be tough to move on from him after only you know probably like a season's worth of games, but um, I just think he could be someone we have a plethora of wings right now. So yeah, and I think that's that's just been the biggest disappointment that you you moved up on draft night and the fact that you you I like Culver in college, but just like he has no shot. Like there's uh, you thought at the, in the first couple games of the season that he'd be moving along. And developing, but he just—he just doesn't—he just, doesn't, just doesn't look confident out there. And I—I'll I, admit, at the time, and even more so now, I was really hoping for Kobe White. And you look at the—you—you you just look at some of the guys taken after Culver, and you just—you have to worry. Like, is it the front office that are? Uh, and it's not just Culver. You look at oh, Kobe also. That there's just guys that just seem like their confidence is shot. And so you wonder—you hope that a guy like. Finch can come in and maybe help and uh, help them along. Yeah, I I I'm with you there. Um, I I wanted uh, Darius Garland pretty bad on draft night. And I think that's who the front office wanted as well. But you know, he unfortunately went right in front of us. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, him and Akogi, it just looks like their confidence is just completely, completely shot right now. And I mean, uh, Culver looked really good at the beginning of the year. He had a couple really nice games to start the season. And um, I just kind of hope he can get that form back. I think he had a, a double double in the opener, maybe 10 and 10. Or maybe that was the, the Jazz game, that second game, which somehow we beat the Jazz, who are now unbeatable. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that Culver come back, just kind of a defensive slasher. And, and a Kogi, too, I, I kind of want to see more slashing from him. It seems like he's lately been kind of sitting outside the arc and, and not, you know, not really moving off ball. But I wonder if that's partially because the defense isn't really guarding him and it's just kind of standing in the paint. So it would be, be hard to make a cut anyway right into the defense. Yeah, I guess that's one that's one aspect that we'll have to wait and see what's how uh, how this new coach uh, affects affects things about how if how he can how he can he can get through to a guy like Culver. It'll be really interesting to see. Mhm. Okay, so moving on to your other favorite team. Uh, I know you're a big Bears fan. I know movie uh, free agency is a few weeks away here. And you guys, a, a, bird, a little birdie told me you guys don't have a quarterback. So I'm just curious to see what your thoughts are on how they how they can get 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 somebody to play a play a quarterback. Well, first of all, I'm I'm pretty glad they didn't get Wentz. Um, I wouldn't have actually minded Wentz for the price tag that he eventually went for, but all the rumors were saying that he was going to get at least a first round pick, but. Um, I'm not I'm not super confident in the Bears staff to be able to develop Wentz. Um so so I'm kinda glad we didn't get him. Otherwise it's been absolutely silent on the Bears front for what they're gonna do at quarterback. Um I mean I think Mariota is an option if if the Raiders are supposedly talking to Carr about an extension, I think Mariota's an option. Um, I think drafting a QB is still an option and moving up on draft night to maybe draft one of those top four or five QBs might be an option. If the Panthers make a strong push for uh, Deshaun Watson, I could see Teddy Bridgewater landing in Chicago. There's just a, there's a lot of options right now for the Bears, but none of them are really top top tier. I mean, unless you want to say that they're going to go after Deshaun Watson, but I don't really know if they have the 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 horses to get that deal done when other teams will be in it. Yeah, I'm, you're, you're right. It's, it, it seems very silent, and I guess I agree with you. I don't know if they could get Watson. The one thing that's that's uh, int- intrigues me is that you guys have a, a fairly low draft. I think it's 24 first overall, 22nd overall. So you'd have to jump up on a, a ton of teams to get somebody, to get a guy like Trey Lance or, or to move up even more for a guy like Fields. So I, I wonder what what you guys will do. I think I think if you guys go for a guy like Mariota or even a guy like Teddy, those would not be necessarily bad options. I think you, you can you can tell me more. I think they're better than Trubisky at quarterback. But yeah, it's, it'll be it's, it seems very interesting to say the least yeah those are definitely not bad options I think they would be upgrades from what the team currently has but whether they could take you the places you want to go which is ultimately a Super Bowl I don't know if that's the case I mean there's still so much talent on that defense and I mean it's evident that there's talent on the team is uh, based on the fact that they went to the playoffs last year even though they were only 8-8 eight and eight, but they went to the playoffs last year with just a carousel of Trubisky and, and Foles just not being very good at all. Um, so, I mean, if you could add, you know, just even the most averages, average of a QB to that roster, I mean, I think you, you give yourself a better chance to, to be in a spot to potentially contend for a Super Bowl. But um, I, I just think – yeah, that that wouldn't Teddy or Teddy or Mariota would be be nice for the Bears, and I think that make them a solid playoff team. But I don't think it's enough to to contend for the ultimate prize. Yeah, and 
what bothers me is uh, looking on social media and seeing a bunch of my uh, Vikings fans, and they're they're complaining about Cousins, and it's like, well, look, did you look at Chicago? I mean, if you look at a, a, a fan of Chicago, they'd be dying for Cousins. Like, yeah, I take, take Cousins just, in a heartbeat. I'd and it's like you're trying heartbeat. to give him, you're, and it's like you're trying to give him away, and you're like, this guy's bad. It's like it's, it, that just drives me mad. That it's like they, that's a, a, even though Cousins is not a great quarterback, but it's like a team like yours, if they had a guy like Cousins, they'd be they'd be dreaming of a guy like Cousins. That's that's what I tell. Oh yeah. Yeah, I would I would love to have Kirk Cousins as, as the Bears quarterback. As, as much as I slander him and and make fun of him, I I would yeah I would love to have Cousins as a QB for the Bears. I mean he's much better than anyone we've we've ever really had. I mean us Bears fans, there's a lot of Bears fans on Twitter um, that are pretty you know pretty mean to other teams QBs and just making fun of other teams QBs and I think we need a we need to take a step back and. Uh, Look at our QB situation for the last, actually for our entire franchise's history. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you guys have had your moments at QB, but I think it's fair to assess it's been it's been a rough stretch. So I'm hoping you guys can land can land somebody good. I'm really hoping. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. So our team, our uh, moving on, moving on here. Our, my swims and your socks looks like they'll be heading down heading down the pennant race this year. Seems like our our teams will both be fairly competitive. I'm curious to gauge your thoughts as spring training opens, just on that uh, how how the AL Central shapes could shape up. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely incredibly stoked for this baseball season. I think um, probably the sport I've been I'm most excited about right now. Um, out of my my favorite teams, and I just think it's going to be incredible two way race. Although it could become a three way race, I never want to count the Indians out because they seem to find pitchers from the middle of nowhere and just plug them in, and they're Cy Young contenders. So I don't want to count the Indians out, but on paper, it really looks like it's going to be a really good two way race between the White Sox and the Twins, and I'm really excited to watch it. I think both teams will be playoff teams. It's just a matter of who wins the division. Yeah, I think it comes down to pitching. I think both both teams are both teams look similar to me on paper. That they both have a lot of explosiveness offensively, and both teams have solid, not not great starting rotations, but both teams have like solid rotations. So I think it comes down to. Uh, in the middle of the summer, it'll come down to whichever team is getting more from their starters. Yeah, and I think going off that, I think it's the back end of the rotations um, for the most part. Both teams have pretty decent, you know, one-two guys, um, but the back ends are a little questionable right now um, for both teams. So I, I think that's kind of the X factor for this season because like you said, the, the lineups are pretty similar on paper. I do think the White Sox have a little bit of an edge in the bullpen, but I think the Twins bullpen is still good enough, um, and it's it's still one of the better bullpens in the league. So I don't think – I think, yeah, like you said, I think the X-Factor starting pitching, especially the back end of the rotations for both teams, are big question marks right now. Yeah, because I think both teams have good first three starters. I think – with the Twins having Barrios and uh, Kenta Maeda and, uh, and Pineda. And I think the, the Sox with uh, with Keiko and Jalilo, I think they have they have solid front ends. It'll be interesting to see, mm-hmm. like, with, with the Twins, like if they can get a guy like Jay Happ or another guy they just signed, Matt Shoemaker, to perform. Or for your Sox, if somebody like Lopez, if he can step up, that'll be interesting to see, like like you said. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I'm just the Sox for me. It's I, I think the the teams are going in opposite directions on that. The Sox are trying to plug in a young guy and hope he he makes you know makes a stride. I mean, they got Kopech, who was a top twenty prospect and who they hoped for big things from, but hasn't played in two years. They got Cease, who's been 
had so much promise and was a top 50 prospect and is just kind of disappointed in the league. It throws, you know, high 90s, but it can't get anyone to swing and miss to save his life. And then you got Lopez, who started off his career really promising, but it's just been really disappointing in the last couple of years. And then, like you said, with the Twins, they're going to, to kind of veteran guys uh, like J.A. Happ, um, and I think Shoemaker, you said that they signed too. So I, it's kind of interesting how those teams are kind of going in, in two different directions to fill kind of the same spot in the roster. Uh, interesting that the way that works. But I think that that'll definitely be the X factor this season is how they can get that those last two spots in the rotation to perform. Yeah, I think it'll be most mostly will be interesting for me to see is just how how your squad plays under the new uh under Lusa. Like how if he can get if he can get to the, the guys on the, the star players on the roster, if he can if he can sort of get through to them and sort of like what's uh what what improvements he what what's uh what developments he can provide to the roster. That'll be the most intriguing thing for me to see. That's because he hasn't he hasn't managed in almost a decade. So it'll just be interesting to see uh, what he can provide. Yeah, it was a little questionable when they first hired him. I mean, no doubt he's one of the best managers ever to do it, but just the fit with this team, very young and and exciting. Um, Just didn't seem to mesh with kind of an older school manager, but um, I've, I've started to kind of come around to it a little bit and, you know, he's, has so much knowledge of the game and just hopefully he can impart some of that onto the team, but a little worried about, you know, when we hit a losing streak is what's going to happen with, is there going to be a, you know, a clubhouse fight? Is, is Tim Anderson going to really accept Tony LaRusso as, you know, all these young guys just kind of going to, going to feed off, off the roots or how's that going to work? It's still a big question mark for the team as well. I mean, that, that, that could totally be something that blows up in the White Sox faces and we end up, you know, losing 80 to 90 games because the team just doesn't mesh. Yeah. I think that'll be the key for your roster is like, if, if, if Lerusa can adjust to the players on the roster and he can get through them, I think you guys will be very dangerous. Uh, whereas if, if there's issues uh, between the between the manager and the roster, then it, it might not. If you guys, then you guys might you guys might be susceptible to underachieving. I think the one guy on the roster that's just from the outside looking at that really scares me from watching all the matchups the last couple of years is uh, Robert. I think the, he seems to me to be the the one the one guy that really scares me in the lineup. I know I know you just have a ton of ton of bats, but that's just the one guy that when he's faced the Twins, he's always seemed to crush them. Yeah, he's he's incredibly special, man. He's going to be, you know, one of the best players in the league for a long time, I think. Um, he slumped a little bit at the end of last year um, after right, actually right after that series where he, he kind of crushed the Twins at target field. He kind of slumped for the rest of the year. Um, it didn't end up with great stats, but you know, he was a rookie, and, and he still, I think, did, did he win a gold glove? I th- he was a gold glove finalist, so he's great in the field, and he's got 330 uh, home run abilities. So when you pa- pair that with being a gold glove candidate, you got yourself a superstar right there who you can plug pretty much anywhere in the lineup. You could plug him three, you could plug him two, you could have him bat leadoff, you could have, hit him clean up, you know. He's going to be one of those guys for I think for I think a long time, which is which is really exciting to have as a White Sox fan, and hopefully he puts it together this year. But but the thing to remember is he's still I think 23, 24 years old. So yeah, that that is one thing to keep in mind that the, both both teams have good great players, but that 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 are young. So it'll be inter- uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. How they develop if they if they can stay consistent. Um, yeah, I'm I noticed to see the twins with all their young guys too. I mean, Kirloff and 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 they got some young pitchers as well in the top 100, right? 
Um, I'm interested to see how, what they do with those prospects if they call them up this year. I would assume Kirloff will be up this year, right? He'll be up. The question entering the spring training is whether he'll make the opening day roster. I know mm-hmm. it's all this, all those shenanigans about the service time issue. So I think it'll depend on how he does in Fort Myers. I think if he if he performs well, he sh- he'll be starting opening day at left field. But uh, I think most likely he'll they won't call him up till mid-April. Uh, then we have yeah, but... I think yeah we have then we also have a uh, Brent Rooker, who's pretty good too. So I think those are the two young guys that'll be in the lineup uh, for most of the season. Yeah, it'll be. It's both these teams have a lot of prospects coming up. The White Sox still have big Andrew Vaughn coming up, who's a top ten prospect. So I mean, both these teams, as good as they are now, have reinforcements coming. So might be a might be a multi year race for the divisional crown here, which is, which will be fun to fun to watch. Me being a a Sox fan from Minnesota. Definitely, I think that, I think you're right. I think the next five or six years. Those two teams will be jockeying for the top of the AL Central, definitely for sure. So, I know, moving on, I, I noticed on, on social media, you that like like myself and like probably most of most of the most of the country right now, you've been uh, you've been watching one division and just ready, readying for next Friday and all the commotion that's about to happen. You know, it's gonna be a 47 minute episode next Friday, so. Um, I'm I'm certain that you're you've got a lot of thoughts on your mind about that. Yeah, I'm buckling up because I think this next episode is going to be the craziest one yet. I mean, just the way they left off on that that last episode, it, it kind of figures to be a be an action-packed episode where we start to kind of figure a lot of stuff out. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. It's it's an awesome show. I mean, it's it's been awesome the way that. I know that Marvel MCU has had some shows before, like Agents of Agent of Shield, I think, was one of them. Uh, but this really kind of feels like the fir- their first foray into like a a big time show, and I think it's really worked well for them. And I know they have a lot more planned, but um, hopefully this kind of becomes a, a normal thing because it's it's awesome. I agree. It is very awesome. It's like a movie, like a big time movie, but it's just like in little parts, so you don't get mm-hmm. like the, op- the you don't get the conclusion and the finality in one shot. You have to keep following and keep seeing. Okay, this is what this is what this means, and this is what that means, and you have all these fake outs. So it's I, I like it a lot. I think it's 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 been very uh, exciting to watch so far. Yeah, I'm 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 super excited to see what they do with with the other stuff. I mean, next I think you got um, the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I wonder how they're going to integrate all of these shows together into one universe. It's, I'm, it's just they can do so much with it, and um, it's really going to be going to be fun. And um, I'm super excited for all these shows. And I especially I'm partial. I I really like. Uh, Loki, he's one of my favorite characters uh, in the MCU, so I am super excited for the Loki show later this year. Yeah, me too. I mean, all the shows have me excited in their own ways. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does. I know the in, when we last saw him in that other alternative ra- alternative reality, he he made off with the stone. So it'll be interesting to see how that. I think that'll I think that'll intertwine with this one division about the various realities and sort of how they overlap into each other. So I think that that'll be that'll be interesting to see how they intertwine. I think yeah. I think it's not it's not just one reality. I think it's multiple realities that'll intertwine. Yeah, the multiverse stuff is is going to be interesting. It might get a little confusing at times, but um, I'm ready. I'm ready for the confusion. I'm, I'm I'm ready to take it on, um, but I'm interested. I think yeah, they're all. There's gonna be a bunch of different versions of everybody, and might might get a little confusing, but I'm ready for it. Me too. Me too. I think they'll, they'll they can pluck out anybody they want from any numerous reality and just fit them in, and, and they'll all they'll all merge at one point. 
it'll cause it'll cause a bunch of chaos. But I think we're all ready for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm super excited for for I'm, I'm my theory right now is that Wanda is going to go through all the going to have to go through a bunch of multiverses to find her kids that Agatha stole. And Doctor Strange movie is going to be him trying to find her in all the different multiverses. So I, I didn't like make it. that theory up. I saw it on Reddit, but that's what I'm going to say right now. That's what I think it's going to be. I like it. I like it. I didn't think of that one. The one I thought of, I know in the comics that her children came from the uh, Mephisto and then sort of like it's like when when she's stressed out, they appear. And when she's not experiencing stress, they disappear sort of. So I was thinking along those lines, but I think the theory you brought up makes a lot of sense that she has she would have to find 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 them through multiple universes and probably ends up uh, causing trouble in those universes uh, uh, unintentionally. Yeah, and then Doctor Strange is, is after her as the kind of a uh, de facto king of time, I guess, in the MCU. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think I, I think they're going to add another villain as well. Um, I could definitely see it being Mephisto, um, just because of all the. There's been a lot of alluding to it. I mean. You had in that one episode Pietro saying um calling Wanda's kids demon spawn. Um like you said in the comics, I think Mephesto had something to do with Wanda's kids in the first place. Um, like helped, you know, make them or something like that. I don't I'm not super familiar with the comics, but I I do think they're gonna add another villain here at some point. And I think Mephisto is kind of the odds-on favorite right now. Yeah, we'll see. I'm. I've been thinking. I've. I've been trying. I've been trying to figure out since we first saw him who Pietro really is. And a lot of people online were thinking that was the multiverse, and they were bringing the X Men. I didn't really buy that theory. Uh, my my initial theory was that it was a, a sword agent in disguise, is sort of penetrating into the, into. Westview, but uh, that doesn't really seem to be the case. So I'll be interested to find out uh, now sort of who Pietro really is, because he seems to know that Westview really isn't really real. Like he he knows like he's able to he's able to pen- penetrate through on the facade, and then you saw at the end of that last episode that he was in uh, Agatha's house. So that'll be interesting to see who he really is. Yeah, I think that's something that'll come hopefully next episode. But yeah, that's that's kind of a big reveal that we've yet to get. Um, that I'm excited to kind of figure out figure out what happens with that. And I'm excited to see uh, Photon show off her powers next episode. Definitely, definitely, she got that. Yeah, I didn't catch it the first time, but looking at the second view, it's like the same color of energy that Carol herself got a different way of transmitting it, but it's, it seems to me to be the same, same exact energy. So that's, that's, that's fun to see. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. that's true, I mean, she's going to instantly become one of the most powerful beings in the MCU, which is crazy. Yeah. And I guess the one thing that had me confused is they were saying in the lead up that Carol was one of the most powerful but then you saw in episode four, they were saying Wanda was the most powerful. So that'll be interesting to see. Like I, that that's the one the, that's the one thing is I'm trying to figure out that how Monica will actually get through to Wanda because that I know that she needs to to sort of end all this from happening. But so I wonder if, if she'll have to use her superpowers to sort of get through to her. Yeah, that'll be that's I mean, hopefully we get we get all that answered in the coming weeks, but honestly I'm kinda of prepared not to have all all the answers uh at the end of this show because like we were talking about earlier, they're just integrating all these new shows, so I wouldn't be surprised if they leave WandaVision on a cliffhanger of some sort. Yeah, me neither. And I guess to bring it back all full circle full circle to the beginning of our conversation I guess WandaVision could be kind of like watching the Timberwolves. It's like you think you think you know what's going to happen, and just 
it leaves you it it, it leaves your mind uh, warped that you're like well mm-hmm. I didn't really, I didn't get any satisfaction it's like well there's no conclusion to it so I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, it's a good good comparison right there. All right. Uh, so what? So move, so before we before I let you go, just um, moving on to the rest, for the rest of the season. I mean. With this new coach that we have in place, I mean, do you have any hope in this franchise? I mean, like, obviously, like you, you and I have both have witnessed the depths of the depths of despair that we that we we could possibly witness. Do you see any way they can worm themselves back back into respectability with this new with this new coach in charge? Do you think do you have any faith that they can write things in the next couple of years? Um. Well, this year definitely not. Um, barring a, an absolute miracle, you know nothing's going to happen this year. Um, I, I do have some hope that Edwards will be good, um, turn into kind of the player that we drafted first overall that we we thought we were getting. Um, not saying he's been bad or anything; he's been he's been good. Um, but I think he can develop into a star, superstar level. Um, if Cat stays, I mean, when you have Edwards is a superstar, maybe. Um, there's some hope, but, you know, as a Wolves fan, I've learned to not have much hope, I guess. Um, so, I mean, if I'm being realistic, uh, I don't have a ton of hope for the future of the Wolves right now. Um, but you never know. And, and like I said, if, if Edwards develops into who we all want him to be and and Cat sticks around and and Beasley keeps developing and, you know, him and Cat and D'Lo finally get to play together. I mean, who knows? Who knows? It could be fun to watch. Yeah, it'd be fun to watch. It'd be fun to to hope for. Uh, David, thanks as always. I I love you coming on. I value your friendship. Thank you so much for your insights and I appreciate you coming on. Of course, man. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. No problem. We'll do it. We'll definitely do it again. Do it again. Definitely. See you, Amir. Bye. Here. Thanks again to my guy, my main man, David Goldman, for sitting down with me on short notice, chatting Timberwolves and the new head coach, head coaching situation. Uh, David was awesome as always. Uh, later this week, we got some great guests. Got my guy Brandon Warren on the previewing this uh, season for the Twins on Wednesday. We got the Athletics Chad Graff talking Vikings on Thursday. Tomorrow, it'll be an homage to my main man, Kevin Garnett. He's got a new book coming out, so I'm just going to riff on store, uh, on his greatness. So we got a great week. Thank you so thank you guys so much for listening. Assalamu alaikum. Have a have a nice evening.